Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Trevor Long and Harry Tucker with you this week. Connor McNally on work duties uh, on the Tour de France. He's chosen cycling over Formula One, Harry. That's what I tack out of that message. I don't know about you, but... I mean, it's not a decision I would have made, but, you know, that's kind of, we'll we'll leave him to it. No, that's fine. And look, loyalty to your employer is a big thing over and above (laughs) a podcast. Oh, yeah, I guess. We will give you that one, Connor. But to kick (laughs) off the show, we always ask the question, should this be a full race replay or KO mini? Well, Connor has been in touch and he has, he was in touch the whole race, let's be honest. Um, But he has said clearly full race for him. Harry, your thoughts? Yeah, look, let's do it. Let's go full race. I don't for it. remember the last time I said full race, but nice. this is, without question, a full race for me on KO, folks. It's one of the great weekends to realize why you need KO. Uh, 25 bucks a month gets you every session, every single lap, every minute of action in the Formula One and a whole range of other sports, but this weekend, especially what a great weekend to have KO Sports. And if you haven't got KO Sports, sign up now. Uh, go to eftm.com, click, look for the uh, KO link on the left-hand side. Otherwise, just go to ksports.com.au. We're recording literally straight after the British Grand Prix as Tom Cruise congratulates Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> as only Tom Cruise could do. Every we, other celebrity has been yeah. kicked out of pit lane. <laughs> have, have we seen more footage of Tom Cruise today or have we seen more footage of the race? Because I, I reckon it would be close. It's you know what it's lucky it was a bloody good race otherwise yeah. it would be close but I think the race <laughs> fortunately was good otherwise they would have cut to him more. Tom Cruise has a habit of just putting his hand on people's shoulders, um, not just to to congratulate them as he did Lewis, but also just to get rid of them as he did Martin Brundle on the pit wall. <laughs> Tom Cruise is a man who knows exactly how to project his voice, how to speak well. Yet he suddenly whispered when Martin Brundle put a uh, put a microphone in his face. Isn't that amazing, Harry? Do you reckon there's like a group chat between, you know, all the celebs about there's this weird English bloke who'll come at you on the grid of Formula One. This is what you got to do. Like, they're, they're, and Tom Cruise has just got the message. They, no, no, they've all just updated. They've all just sent a message going, Tom's nailed it. Whisper, whisper. Anyway, folks, we're at uh, Silverstone for the British Grand Prix and uh, we, we all agree uh, full race because what an epic race i am so awake and i didn't feel a moment of tiredness and that i think just goes to show what an epic race it was harry carlos Sainz got the win ahead of sergio perez and lewis hamilton charles leclerc in fourth fernando alonso in fifth lando norris in fifth there is a small question mark over sergio perez um at the moment as we record he may get a penalty i don't think he should or would but worst case he nah. bumps back into third because he's got a big enough gap i think just uh, or oh, he might actually just lose to Charles Leclerc. But anyway, let's not worry about that. The bottom line is it was a cracking race. But Harry, hard not to talk about the start, the the first start, because there were two starts of this race. <laughs> the the vision of, you know, the first turn, it looked like, you know, cars coming around, cars coming around, very, very fast-paced. And then you see a car clearly upside down, and it was an Alfa Romeo to me straight away. It was clear. And it was upside down all the way to the barrier, Harry. That was a worrying 20 minutes. Yeah. It was a really weird sort of bit of TV as well. Like, you, you know, they came flying through the corner. You kind of saw it all in the background. And then we had the red flag. And there wasn't that much to it then. And you sort of, 
you knew that something big had happened because we saw some of the damage on George Russell's car and and mm. Ocon um, and Sonoda and Albon, obviously. But then there was nothing on on uh, on Zhao. And so we sort of got left there and everyone was like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait to see when he's okay or not. But th- that was sort of all you got. And in the back of your mind, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I know this is just how the FIA does things. If they don't know anything 100%, they're just not going to show it on camera. But, mm. it, yeah, it was just a very weird and tense, yeah, 10, 15 minutes or however long it was before he got confirmation. But what a start. You know, for those of us old enough to remember Senna, let alone, you know, have been following Formula One enough to remember Jules Bianchi and even Roman Grosjean, even in most recent times, um, the, the, the rule, the policy now of the FOM, the Formula One management, the people who press the button on what cameras we see, it should be clear. I had a couple of people messaging me going, why isn't Sky showing replay? Mm-hmm. Sky doesn't KO through Sky has no ability to choose what cameras to see because Formula One management run the television and that's not for protection of, of footage. It's, you know, so that it's the same footage going out to all, all, all the all the broadcasters, but most importantly also it allows them to say, listen, there's been a really bad accident here and we don't think showing replays is appropriate. Um, unfortunately, because of F1 TV, the, the live streaming thing, there was at least one person on the internet who was watching the onboard from one of the cars, which allowed us to see um, a little bit more detail of the crash, which was essentially off the start, um, Joe Grant Guan Yu and uh, George Russell got bad starts. George said it was because he had the hard tyres. And Gasly, um, I think it was Latifi, ducked in between them beautifully. And then Gasly went, I'm going to do the same. But George and and Pierre had this little tiny weenie nudge, but it was enough to send George sideways left into Joe. Joe flipped immediately because his uh, Mm. right rear went over the front left of George, flipped, and he went upside down. And Harry, not just into the barrier, but kind of hit the barrier sideways and flipped in between the barrier and the crash fence behind it. And we've seen photos of that. It's a, a remarkable place for a car to end up. Like it just fit, yeah, straight in there. It was like a, it was like a coin going down, you know, into a coin slot at a at a vending machine or something. How it just it fit in between those two two sort of fences. I haven't seen anything like it um, no. before. But again, it just the halo. Like it's just incredible the, how many you know how many potential major injuries and lives that has saved yeah. in the last few years. Like it's. And then were people who didn't have to be someone who was on the record back, um, you know, not wanting the halo, right? Because those those records will stand forever. And now we've seen, you know, just Roman Grosjean and Joe Grenier alone, let alone others. But the footage or just the images at this point, the static images of the um, Alfa Romeo being lifted onto a truck, basically the halo is the highest point of the car after this crash. So, and and let's be honest, Joe's a short fella, so. That may also play into the fact that he is now walking around and was released from the medical center, which to me is remarkable given mm. he must have one hell of a headache. Yeah. Like that was, they didn't really say much about the speeds or anything that I caught on, but you know, you obviously imagine it was an incredibly intense, you know, amount of energy coming into the car and everything like mm. that. But, you know, the other thing that, that was sort of nice to see in the middle of all of this was, was George Russell just immediately run out of his car to go and see if he was all right. And I mean, run, like it wasn't just, you know, no, he got over and had extra, right. he sprinted. And after um, after we saw replays, we realized that George not only crashed into him, um, but the, the, the 
on board from George's car meant that George was facing forward. Joe had so much speed, he went past George. And so George literally saw his car go upside down Mm. into the fence. So George stops, runs to Joe. Now, we don't see Joe. We don't see anything. We see on Twitter, we see a photo from the fans of the crash barrier and George standing on top of it. And we're thinking, where's the car? Like, (laughs) where is the car? And George goes back to his car. And this is fascinating to me because he went back to his car and I immediately said to my son, because school holidays, lucky buggy got to stay up. (laughs) I immediately said he wants to get back in and drive back, even though he has no left rear because he can, it's a red flag. He can go back to the pits and they can work on that. But George claims, now I'm going to cut a hole in his story here. He claims he, he, he saw the accident. The red flag was called, he stopped and he went to see Joe and he came back to his car. I don't think the red flag was called that quickly. No. I don't think he stopped before the red flag. Um, he went back to his car and I think realized red flag, Joe's, I assume he got a, you know, he heard Joe or got some sort of indication Joe was okay and went back to his car. And by the time he kind of realized the mechan- the, the marshals had started moving the car into a truck and so his race was over because you can't, rejoin a race after you've had assistance rendered i feel and i said this on twitter i feel george did what any normal human would do and he should have been allowed to start the race i guess that's a bit of passion coming through not reality though harry it's sort of one of those things where i think you know if you look at it in this particular instance like i completely agree with you in the sense of you know just give him a break but when you, it's one of those things where you start doing stuff like that like where does that bit of sort of leniency and ignoring the rule end um, so yeah, I think it's just one of those things where if you look at it in isolation, like, yeah, let him get away with it. But, you know, as a whole, I think they made the right call. So what's fascinating is, and look, we, we waited a long time. It was an hour before the restart. Um, Joe was declared to have been, you know, put into an ambulance and he was talking. We had that kind of word, which is what you want to hear. Alex Albon, by the way, has been taken to hospital for observation. He had a, he was, um, uh, Sebastian Vettel ran up the back of him and kind of nudged him quite harshly into the into the side wall um but remarkably it looks a million times least um problematic than the joe crash but alex has been taken for observation um but at this point we're in the pits and we hear that the formation for the restart is the same as the original grid despite the fact that max verstappen had a flyer um lewis hamilton had a flyer max verstappen mm-hmm. was ahead of carlos signs um into the first second and third turns um lewis was in i think third by then but it was taken back to the original start grid because not all cars had passed the first sector and so harry we essentially got a proper complete (laughs) and utter grid restart aside for the three cars that were out of the race do you think that was the right call i do because there you have to find there has to be a point in time like yeah if they don't make that call what is you know someone in eighth who passed on turn four or got passed on turn four, what do they think if, if you go to turn four instead of the sector time? So there has to yeah, be yeah. a decision made. Um, in the end, I think it was the right decision, but a tough one for those that that nailed the start because on the restart, an hour later, as I say, um, Carlos had a great restart um, and Lewis didn't get the same solid restart. And so we end up with uh, a really exciting restart with essentially Red Bulls and Ferraris side by side, turn after turn for half a lap. Oh, it was great. And then, you know, not even just side by side, but contact. 
There was, yeah. you know, Sainz originally, you know, holding off that pressure from Verstappen into corner one and then sort of keeping his nerve to, to get a bit of gap out there. And then we saw the hit with Perez and Leclerc with a bit of front wing damage, which, you know, ultimately I think didn't end up having too much of an uh, an impact on the end of the race. But, you know, it still was a big moment between them and, and sort of that tension coming between those teams at the front of the, at the, front of the grid. Yeah. It, it, look, it was... There are so many replayable moments of this. I think F1 will go nuts with this on social media in terms of some of the angles, the side-by-side. You know, it's going to be a good – this is a great weekend for the sport in so many ways. Over 400,000 people at Silverstone, um, a remarkable crowd, to be honest. It's huge, sold out. Um, The the Joe Granu, obviously we're we're playing on it because he's okay, but – that has Netflix Drive to Survive Roman Grosjean vibes about it because, you know, he was trapped behind Armco. The only missing ingredient was fire, but it was still as remarkable because of the the brutality of that sliding underground uh, upside down and into the gravel. Um, and then you've got the race itself. So it's it's actually going to go down as one of one of the one of the classics, I think one of the great weekends of of a long time. Lewis and Lando off off the restart of side by side. Lewis ended up getting him because he had DRS, and I think that wasn't Lando's race. The one that grabbed me for a lot of this race was Nicholas Latifi holding his ground in 10th off the start and, frankly, got up to 8th, Harry. He didn't do too bad for most of it, but unfortunately finished 12th. It was pretty funny. It was sort of, he sort of was sticking back there and then, you know, we'll talk about this more as as we get through, but drivers kind of just, um, I guess, just dropping off, like all, all little failures and incidents happening throughout the race. And it's sort of, it was, you just kept watching him kind of fall back to 11th, someone fall out, and then he's back in 10 and just going in and out of the points. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting race for him. Probably not going to see too many more of them. <laughs> Ricardo at this point's in 12th. There's a bit of a DRS train from essentially 6th back to around 15th. So it's a pretty solid, you know, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 gap for most of the, the cars in that area. Science is in the lead, holding off Max, but... I don't think he has a gust of wind as Martin or, or uh, Crofty like to call it. I think Carlos is under pressure from Max and goes off, rejoins at speed, not directly unsafe, but pretty unsafe, um, and Max takes the lead. And that's that's a monumental moment for Ferrari because without the, the number one on the, on the totem, um, they've got this team order problem, which essentially lasted the entire race, didn't it, Harry? Because... Mm. You got Max in front. You got Leclerc and Signs close together, and you're starting to have this problem of what are we going to do here, guys? Who's going to who's going to take the the lead because Leclerc's thinking he's faster. Yeah, well, and then yeah, like you said, it was something that happened right until the end. But ultimately, for Ferrari, despite their best efforts to you know to ruin their own strategy, it, it didn't end up being too much of an issue impacting um, them at the end. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. the 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 mistake from Signs though. Who who are we up to that yet? Were you about lap yeah. ten? Um, where he went off and just for sort of it was just a very simple corner for no reason. It was just a really weird rookie mistake. Oh, I mean, Martin or, or Crofty tried to call it wind. Oh, it looked to me like it was just loud pedal. Um, a, wow. a touch <laughs> and and you know he, you know, it wasn't a complete run out of talent. But on that turn, Max had the had the measure and put him under pressure. I don't. Yeah. I, I think that's actually. Although Carlos ended up winning, although Carlos gets the trophy and the accolades and the points, that's the moment where you go, you weren't up to it. I mean, you got to be real. Max was on your ass, and you weren't up to it. That's that's a problem for signs as a as a competitor. 
he just got lucky. In the end. In the end, yeah. It was just if it wasn't for that puncture or the damage to the bottom of the car or whatever it was from from Max, like he yeah, he he would not be on the top of the podium, I don't think. Before Max gets a punch of Gasly and Sonoda do this weird spin off together, which hopefully there's great vision of because it was this this coordinated, choreographed, synchronized (laughs) spin, which looked hilarious to me. Latifi gets up to eight, then Max then I think it was through Maggots and Beckett's, it seemed like it was a fast flowing set of turns. Max went not quite over the white line, but far enough over that the left-hand side of the car bumped to the other side of the curb, right? A lot of bouncing, a lot of movement. He says, I hit carbon fiber. I say, you went too far off the track, mm. and maybe it was carbon fiber from your own car because you did some damage to your car. He slows, not dramatically, but enough that, you know, the Ferrari's both passing. You're thinking, what's going on here? He pits immediately. Um, he comes out in sixth. Uh, Red Bull had earlier had Perez come in for a new wing and, and come out in 16th. Now Max is talking about a lack of downforce. He's told by his team that you have no down, you have a, a reduced downforce at the rear. We'll try and balance it out, but it's it's not a catastrophic, so it's not a problem for the car. So you need to keep running. But he essentially never regrain, regains his pace. He has this problem, which, with all the cameras in the world, is not visible to anyone. Harry, it's strange. It, it, the communication was weird too. Like you, you sort of said there that you know the team was like it's you know it's it's there's something wrong, but it's not critical. You'll suffer performance loss. And he was going back at them, going, "No, this car is a hundred percent broken. Like it just it's it's gone." And they sort of were like, "You know, it's just a little bit. You can keep going and get some points," which they did. But yeah, there was this invisible problem that kept him in that spot, and it was just you sort of. You know, for all for the sake of this race and and his position in the championship, he was out of the race, just mm. sort of hovering in the back there. Um, um, my car's one hundred percent broken because I think when yeah. you see a grand news car, you'll realise your car's fine. Uh, in the scheme of things, it turns yeah. out I think through through the course of it, it turns out that Max did, and I said this when it happened. It wasn't bloody uh, any other part. It was the floor. the The underside was damaged on that curb that he went over, and that would have directly affected the rear downforce because this is all about ground effect. I mean, when the floor's damaged underneath, you're in big trouble and that's that's going to affect your, your speed. That's what happened. Yeah, less rear da- aerodynamic load and, and nothing that they can do about it, I think that's what they said. So just, yeah, that was it. Bad so luck. Ferrari then have this moment where you, you're starting to have problems because Sainz and the clerk are running close together. And to be honest, I made a note at this point that this is a sign these new cars are working well because – Leclerc mm. was with signs close, and there was so much close racing in this race. I mean, the, the 2022 cars, Ross Braun must have watched this and gone, I did well. We did well. This worked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, this is the race. Of, of all the races this year, this is the 10th race, and this is the first time I truly believe, Harry, that yeah. we've seen the power of the new car design. Do you agree? I do, but do you know what the problem is? Is is that this is it happened at this track at a classic European race circuit? We've been basically spent the entire season so far in these you know new um, pay for circuits built for purpose in cities and whatever. And you know there's been a couple of times where we've seen some some good examples of this this new effect. But like you're saying, this is the first time we've we've really seen it. Where it's like oh you know this this racing can be close, and it's sort of on on you know one of the first of the the better classic racetracks yes um it just makes the, the just more obvious what what's happening with the f um with formula one and, and sort of these tracks being paid for and, and yeah true 
I mean, yeah. the Silverstone has great straights. It has great twists and turns. It has fast, free-flowing turns. It has a wide track. It has everything you want for um, for this kind of uh, performance and this kind of outcome. And uh, I think that's going to be a challenge for the for the tracks that aren't, as you say, true racetracks. So it'll be fascinating. Austria next uh, will be probably a good one or two. Um, we've had some good races there before. Um, Signs ended up stopping before Charles. Um, Bottas and Ricardo pitted. Ricardo had a, a slow stop. He stopped again later and had another slow stop. Bottom line, Ricardo had a shocker today, fifth, uh, 13th in the end, Awful. second last. Second last, let's be honest, behind Yuki, uh, with Yuki Tsunoda only behind him um, and was unable at any point to pass Nicholas Latifi. Uh, so if you want to talk about problems, um, I think Daniel's got one. And, and McLaren had pace with Lando, but... Yeah, um, I'm a bit worried about Daniel's performance there and what I'll be interested to see what McLaren say about that because him not being able to do anything with, with and without DRS and with and without tyre strategy, I think strikes me as a problem. What do you think, Harry? I mean, you'd have to hope so because that's it was bad. Like it was even even at the end when they he sort of earlier on the softer tyres, a bit more favourable for speed there, he, he was making no ground on anyone that was in front of him there. Um, and like you said, like Lando had pace up there. Like it wasn't unless he had a different setup in the car that just clearly was the wrong strategy or like it, I don't know. It's, it's, we're at the sort of point where it's, we've seen enough disappointment now where it, it sort of hurts that to admit that, you know, maybe it wasn't just the bad setup today type of thing. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. And, and look, <sighs> I'm the first to defend him, but I think we've got to be, we've got to be real. Um, <clears throat> he's got a couple of races to really, really prove himself before Zach says right to check and and moves on. Um, Ferrari tell their drivers on about lap 29 that they're free to fight and then within 10 seconds they're talking about, you know, different strategies. It's very weird uh, bit of radio communication. It'd be very good to hear it all uh, in sync. Like it'd be great to hear a full timeline of the Ferrari conversations between both drivers and their and their pits. Hamilton stops, has a slow stop, about four seconds, which means he comes out behind both Ferraris, which isn't a bad thing, but it was too far behind. He was, you know, a good three and a half seconds behind signs, and that shouldn't have been the case. He should have come out battling signs and be, you know, a second behind Leclerc, and I think that in the end may be what cost Hamilton, quite simply, that four-second stop. Yeah, and and even with the four-second stop, though, like it was – he got – bad luck with the strategy as part of that with going on the hard tires so when he came out he needed you know a bit of a bit, bit of extra time to warm them warm them back up you know and then by the time he sort of got them worn back up you know we end up having a safety car not too long after that so he basically lost all that time and then when the other cars were then able to to sort of do their stop there they they didn't really get suffer as much from the the tire warm up so yeah i think I think that he that sort of cost him just as much potentially as that that extra bit of time. But um, considering as well that the safety car did come out not too long after, Joe Guanyu um, was the highlight of the first half of the half of the race. But the second half was all about the one through six battle essentially. Um, Esteban Ocon did pretty well to pass uh, Max Verstappen. Um, you know, in a, in a uh, a car that was underperforming, but then suddenly Max was back in in front of Ocon. You're thinking, what's going on here? Ocon has a fuel pump issue, pulls up on the old main straight, immediately thinking, well, safety car. So everyone pits except Charles Leclerc, who suffers a Lewis Hamilton Abu Dhabi problem of being 
first guy out, do you come in or do you not? Um, do you double stack? Do you not? Um, commentary was trying to trying to blame position on the track, but he was way out of the pits. They had plenty of time to make that decision. That they didn't is their own fault, not his. Um, so basically now we end up with a safety car restart. Uh, Charles Leclerc out front on hard tyres, every other bastard close to him on softs. The Ferrari team tells Carlos, mate, put a 10-car gap between you and Charles, which is the kind of legal requirement. And Charles is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and rightly so, Harry. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Like that that whole sequence there was ridiculous. But, you know, as, as they came back on, um, Leclerc kind of sort of went off in an amazing battle, uh, brief battle, and giving it back to Perez for the team there. And and that sort of then, uh, not to Perez, to Sainz. And then that sort of, sort of, I think it was like two laps of just brilliance, like absolute brilliance. I think, who was in there? We had Lewis, we had Sergio, we had uh, Carlos, and then I Charles, know, a few more joined at the Lando, end. And Lando. Oh. I mean, the, the real battle was... I mean, mate, I I personally cannot wait. I got a bit on this morning, but lunchtime, I'm getting my lunch. I am firing up KO and I'm skipping to lap 40 or whatever it was. And 40, I'm going to rewatch this three. time and time again, mate, because Carlos Sainz needs to get past Leclerc. He does that pretty effectively. But then Leclerc plays the Sergio Perez role of rear gunner like better than Sergio Perez, I'll be honest. <laughs> Look, I think Leclerc proved in the last 10 laps of this race that he may well be the best driver on the grid. Honestly, you think so? mate, he, he, he drove around the outside of turns that you shouldn't go around the outside yeah, of. It was, pretty, it was very got, impressive. But all of them was very impressive. But, but Lewis Hamilton, the onboard of him is, is amazing where – Sergio and, and Leclerc are coming into to a tight right-hander. Sergio ducks across the inside, a little bit risky, may, may be penalised for it. Um, and Lewis kind of sees them both go out wide and just goes woof, straight past them. And then, then there's this battle between Leclerc and Sergio, Leclerc and Lewis, and it goes on for laps and laps and mm. laps to give Carlos a stunning lead of over three seconds, maybe four. Sergio ends up breaking free and getting to within three and a half of, of Carlos. And frankly, Charles Leclerc hangs on to, to Lewis Hamilton for the bulk of the race, and I think only loses genuinely that position in the last two laps. It was awesome. Yeah, like right up until then. And then, like, even at that point, like, he, he didn't just sort of give it up quickly then either. It was, it was like, you know, continuously right on his, on his ass and then coming back quickly on the next corner. It was almost like the, the TV couldn't keep up either with where he was. And, the, like, the commentary would be like, oh, yeah, and, then, you know, Lewis is in front now. And then you'd be on the screen like, oh, that looks like Charles has just got ahead. Uh, it was, yeah, it was great. It was just some of the best racing. And like you say, like a, a reflection that these cars can can actually race with each other. We just saw like five of them in the same as, battle. As you say, on a true race circuit, yes, that's true. they yes. can race. And and that's that's the introspective look that, that Formula One needs to have. Um the they end up, you know, there's no real closeness much much in that top six because it's like, okay, boys, we're done. Like it's like Charles, as soon as Lewis properly got past, it was like Charles went, you know what, I'm done. I can't battle anymore. He was <laughs> It was like he was exhausted, and he probably was. But, you know, that top six, Carlos, Sergio, Lewis, Charles, Fernando, then Lando, 
Um, firstly, what a, what a great spattering of different teams. Uh, Max Verstappen in seventh, which is a respectable result given his his car performance. But I'm disappointed that Mick Schumacher didn't get passed. But Jesus Christ, Max Verstappen gave it everything in defense of seventh place. Oh, my God. That was a scrap, like that, that sort of last lap there with Mick. Right up until, I think it was, he was pretty much right up until the very last corner um, before coming over the finish line. Like, he was right up on there. And like you say, for seventh place, like for Max, like it's brutal. Like it's, you know, that means for for Mick, like that is, that's a huge result. But for Max, you know, it's it's a bad day at the office and he's still just like doing his best to deny it for him. Oh, like just, yeah, at the risk of so much. Um, but it was good to see. Good, good for the sport. The competitiveness. Oh, this whole weekend was good for the sport. This this race, this evening, this morning is replayable. It's it's obviously it's dramatic and and no one. I mean, I don't want for drivers to have you know really bad crashes, but obviously motorsport in in many ways is about the the bumps, the bruises, the crashes, and we've got to thank the halo for the safety that exists and that we can watch someone like Joe when you go up over into a fence and survive. Um, that's gonna, mate. That's gonna be tomorrow's news. It's gonna be huge. Um, it's, it's knowing that that stuff can happen at any moment at any track, which you know it adds to the excitement, to to the thrill of of the danger. And I think for the drivers as well. Like, even though obviously none of them want to happen, and and to them or any of their competitors, like that knowing that it can happen, I think is 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 part of what makes it great. Yeah, spot on. Now, um, the the DNFs were Esteban Ocon, who uh, retired on the on the previous pit straight. Pierre Gasly, um, who had some damage to the car. Valtteri Bottas retired. Just went. They came into the pits at the same time as Daniel, and then just retired. I don't know what it was. George Russell, Joe Grenu, and Alexander Albon retired on the first lap. Um, in Connor's absence, I'll do the honors. Um, the driver <laughs> standings are fascinating right now. I've got to say, um, Max Verstappen leads on 181 points. Sergio Perez second, 147. Charles Leclerc third, 138. And Carlos Sainz fourth on 127. With George Russell in 111 and Lewis Hamilton on 93. With mm. more than 10 races still to go. And I think you'd be you'd be honest, Harry, and say Mercedes is finding form. This this is not over. You you legitimately have anyone in that top six could win. We like could do a 2011 here again. We could go to the end with multiple contenders. Yeah, like you, you consider that, say, let's say Lewis Hamilton currently, you know, is, your, is in six. Like he, he's the first from the points at 93 to 181 a max. But he's also, of all the drivers there, probably the most likely to be able to climb up the top mm-hmm. from that position. Whilst you've got, like, your Sergio in, in sort of second there and Carlos in fourth pretty close to each other. Like, it's... In the oh, yeah, that's it could go anywhere. We got mid-season upgrades to come. It's yeah, 2011. Bring it on. Yeah, I, I'm I'm quite excited about the prospects. Mick Schumacher, by the way, with his uh, eighth place, gets four points. His first championship points, um, which is a, a great result for Mick. And you know, I, I think he is he's doing okay. He's doing pretty well. Uh, when you put him up against Kev, um, he, he's, he's starting to perform. And I think that that pressure's helping in the constructors championship, Red Bull on 304 Ferrari on 228. So closing the gap there with some solid points and in first and fourth, but Sergio brilliant strategy by Red Bull to, to bring him in um, and give him second place. But you do argue, uh, I think Harry, 
he seemed to have the same damage that Charles Leclerc had on his front wing, and Charles was able to last the whole race. So you wonder what could have happened if Sergio was left out, Harry. And do you, I don't know. I, 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 I get what you're saying, but I don't know if he, he quite had the pace um, no. today. Like I, he, he, was, he was there and thereabouts, but when the safety car came out, he sort of he was not there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it would have been too different, but he, he was so critical for them this race. And this is the important of the number two driver. Yeah, and this, and this is where he of, earns his paycheck because without exactly. those points, that gap would be smaller. Um, 304 to 228. Yeah. Mercedes, by the way, in 188. McLaren at 65, thanks to Lando's sixth place. Alpine in fifth on 57. And that's a big jump because Fernando got got fifth uh, as well there. Alfa Romeo st- staying sixth on 51, Alfa Tauri, Aston Martin. Haas did well today, two in the points, Kevin Magnussen in 10th. So actually not a bad result for Haas, you would have to say. Oh, no, we're talking about a, a race that only 15, 14 cars finished in. But the Haas were ahead of uh, each an Aston Martin, a Williams and a McLaren and an Alfa Tauri. So man, actually not a bad result for Haas. Oh, I think they'd be very happy with it. Even if you look at the DNFs there, like, you know, you even you're sure a few of them at least would not have finished on top of you anyway. So I think they'd be very pleased pleased with that. Yeah. And it's now oh. what? It's a decent pull away from Williams now too. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. By the way, I just, I've seen a, a helicopter replay again of Joe's crash and I shared with you the ESPN photo of the, the car just stuck between the barriers and you realize now why that photo was taken. The photographers were right there. Like there's a guy who definitely did not stay at the racetrack. He definitely left and has certainly changed his undies because, mate, he was right where that car was heading. Um, and I will say I'm a bit fascinated by the fact that they restarted the race without repairing the fence because it's like the the only thing that stopped the car from going further. But anyway, um, there'll be some amazing photos come out of that um, that incident now that we know Joe is okay, um, which is the, the most important part of the whole thing, obviously. Um, it, it's, I mean, I, I'm, I, I forget a lot. I've got a bad memory. I don't remember races in, in the past very well, but I, I'd like to think that British Grand Prix 2022 is one that I'm going to remember for a long time because it was not just because of the accident, um, and the recovery, but because of the racing. Yeah, man, that was, that was good to watch. I enjoyed that race. I, I, I don't yeah. think I've enjoyed Formula One for, for a long time as much as I have this morning. No, that was great. And I don't know, I feel like I'm sort of going on about the same thing again with these tracks and everything. But I, I do think that it being at this sort of track is is really, you know, what adds to it. And that feeling of, of you know, being the Sunday, Sunday race and just, you know, wheel-to-wheel racing and just, I don't know. There's just something that it feels more special about it being here than than any of the fancy lights or, you know, being on the water or whatever it, and, and any of these new tracks can give. Well, um, then the next, the next five or six should go well for us, right? Because yeah, you've got next week, France, Paul Ricard's a very, you know, free-flowing, fast circuit. You know, if you can stay close there, that's good. Hungary, Belgium, Netherlands, Italy. Um, mate, we could have a really good little while ahead, but obviously next week is is Austria. And then it looks like it's a kind of two-week break to France, one week to, to Hungary, and then it's the uh, break because it's July 31 through to August 28. So obviously we've got three races before what they call the summer break over there, is it? Um, yeah. Our winter break. And um, 
this this is fascinating because if Mercedes does, because remember we we haven't talked about porpoising this weekend or bouncing a because it's a good a circuit in terms of its um, uh, surface, um, which was so there's no bouncing problem. Uh, the porpoising maybe it's under control. I mean, this. We, I, I'm fascinated to see what happens with Mercedes in the next three races because then throw in a, a summer break and upgrades. This mate, this could be on for Young and All in the second half of the season. Do you think? Do you have any predictions as to who you think is going to come in with the biggest upgrades? I think Mercedes. I think Mercedes will use every inch of the cost cap to do everything they can to make sure that car is back. To where it should be, I would. It's it's too too Aussie centric for me to want for McLaren to do the same, but I'm kind of walking away from that. I'm happy for this to be a massive three way battle: Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes. Because if it's a three way constructor battle, then it's at least a four to five way driver battle. I think we know that because of reliability crashes, all those kind of things. <laughs> if we can go to the second half of the season with a multiple way battle in either championship. Mm. That's a huge win. Oh, massive. And that, that's, I think, what everyone wants. What are your thoughts on the upgrades? I mean, I'm hoping it's Williams. Like, just just anything to not make them as hopeless at the back or or in the same vein, Aston. Like, either of those ones, just to sort of come in after this and just surprise everyone. And I think, considering that, that they're sort of both been equally average all season, sort of makes you think that mm. maybe that, you know, they haven't been doing these more incremental ones. They've been ones putting and, it in for a big one. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's not it's not coming from anywhere other than a hope. It's not it's not an educated guess by any means, but that that's my hope is that it's one of those two. All right, well we'll catch all the action uh, next weekend on Ko Sports. If you haven't got Ko yet, you're mad because you're listening to a Formula One podcast. I don't understand how that would be possible, but good luck to you. Um, uh, Ko will have every single um, uh, part of next weekend, including by the way, next weekend is a sprint race, <clears throat> so you'll have practice on Friday. 9.30 our time, qualifying Saturday morning, 1 a.m. our time, and then second practice Saturday night, 8.30, and the sprint race, um, uh, 12.30 midnight on Sunday morning ahead of a 11 p.m. Sunday race. Every minute of the action on KO Sports. Harry, I'm exhausted but excited. I'm not even sure I can <laughs> sleep now. I've got to go to sleep for a couple of hours, but I'm not sure I can. Like I'm legit like, that excited yeah. about that morning. It's that weird sort of mix of being exhausted, but like that sort of wired in your brain from that at the same time. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm starting to feel delirious though. All right. Well, I hope the Tour de France is going great. Um, just <laughs> like uh, good luck to them. Uh, but Connor, um, yeah, in, in we made a joke, but Connor has a, has a day job. He has to work on that, and so we respect his his need to to put his effort into his day job, and he'll he'll be back in a in a few races time after, I guess after the summer break maybe. Um, but we'll be back uh, next weekend with the Austrian uh, Grand Prix and I can't wait, Harry. Oh, bring it on.